Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the OIS Podcast. This is episode 211. If you're an unfortunate one like me, you were not able to attend OIS at SECO last week. I hope some of you did make the trip. It was a great day. We had uh, well over 200 people in attendance, a great mix of industry and clinicians talking about advances in eye care. And uh, I'm fortunate to have as our guest today, Jim Timmons, who is one of the co-chairs of the event. Jim co-chaired the event along with Paul Karpecki, who we had on the podcast earlier. And uh, of course, Emmett Cunningham, founding co-chair of OIS, who we've had on the podcast many, many times. And uh, I was able to talk with Jim about the day. He walked me through the agenda, talked about some of the uh, the high points, some of his key takeaways. In fact, I probably used the word takeaway far too much in this interview. And uh, also, we talked a bit about some of the companies that have made news since, including Oyster Point, which raised a very, very large round of capital this week, or, or at least announced the raising of that round of capital. So I'm very grateful to uh, for Jim for his time. I'm also happy to tell you that we're going to post a, a bonus bonus episode of the podcast it'll be the uh, the last panel of the day it was called industry leaders speaking out on the optometric channel and uh this has uh, joseph barati from j and j bob dempsey from takeda shire dave gibson from allergan angelo rago from carl zeiss meditech and cal roberts from bosch and Lom. and it's moderated by emma cunningham Again, that'll be a bonus podcast, so uh, I hope you're subscribing to the OIS podcast. If you are, then you will get that sent directly to you. Finally, don't forget that we have another OIS in the works. We're already uh, planning that one out. It's OIS at ASCSRS, and that is happening on May 2nd in San Diego. If you're interested in attending or presenting, go to OIS.net. Now let's get into this conversation with Jim Timmons co-chair of OIS at SECO. Well, welcome back to the OIS podcast, Jim Timmons. How are you? Tom, thank you so much for inviting me. And uh, after our very successful meeting, feeling very good about uh, the OIS first ever optometry opportunity in New Orleans last week. It is exciting. And I, as I mentioned in the intro, full disclosure, I was not able to make it down to New Orleans. So you are now my eyes and my ears, and you can you can describe the uh, the setting for me. Uh, we'll get into the, the agenda in a second, but I, I want to ask you, I mean, you... We're co-chair of, this is the first time you were co-chair of an OIS. Walk us through, just take a minute to walk us through that process. What what do you actually do? What is it like being co-chair? And was it more or less work than you would anticipate? First and foremost, working with the group at Healthergy was uh, both a remarkable experience. Their background and their abilities are uh, unparalleled in this space. I do a lot of meeting work. I have my own National Glaucoma Society, of which I'm chairman of, so I know how hard it is to pull together a great program. Uh, their diligence in making sure that the I's were dotted, the T's were crossed, and we were far ahead of responsible timelines just made it very simple. It was always, you know, a question asked, a question answered, accomplished next day. So it was a delight to work with Danielle and Craig and uh, Maureen. They did a terrific job, as I, as I know they do for Ascaris and uh, AAO Ophthalmology as well. So that was the easy part. Uh, the hard part was to 
think through what components of the industry would be interesting to colleagues and would present the type of new and innovative technologies that are going to first command their attention and then second, get them to look at this in the longer term as to how that technology or that space is going to be impacted by their developments and how that's going to develop or change the way that they care for patients, which is really the bottom line. And Danielle and uh, Craig were very helpful in sort of linking us together with some of the presenters from the ASCRIS or the AAO meetings, and then adding and, and massaging some of the people that I thought were maybe more directed towards the primary care space or the impact on primary care practice that uh, my colleagues would be interested in as well. Yeah, well, this is, as we've discussed in the past, this is a bit new for us. We're focused more on the ophthalmology meetings and very excited about moving into this space. What was uh, the reception like amongst your, your colleagues? Uh, and uh, let's talk a bit about the turnout, what you're, you're feeling about the overall turnout. The turnout was a remarkably pleasant uh, surprise. I think the numbers that we'd originally discussed as being benchmarks for first-year meeting were so far exceeded that uh, I think everybody on the team was just quite taken by how busy the room was. I mean, we had to bring in seats to add the additional walk-ins. I think the end count, according to Danielle, was somewhere in the 225 range, which puts this just in around six plus percent or so of the total attendance at the meeting. And when you look back at first-time meetings for ASCRIS and AAO uh, and then AARSA, um, you know, this, this is certainly incredibly consistent with that, which I guess tells you a lot about the team and how they do their work. But it was also a very uh, pleasant outcome, I think, for optometry to demonstrate that their level of interest is just as enthusiastic as our colleagues on the other side of the aisle in ophthalmology. So I think it bodes well for the future. Uh, there was also a very nice international distribution. We had four countries represented. And uh, even though this is a regional meeting and SECO is really more of a national meeting, but it's, you know, has its roots in the southeast of the U.S., uh, there were 36 states represented at this meeting, which I thought was actually very, very remarkable as well. Did you ever uh, give in to doubts? Were you concerned at one point that you'd throw a party and no one would show up? <laughs> that's, a, that's a fascinating question uh, in that this year, for the first time in, in my memory, SECO wasn't in Atlanta because of a scheduling issue with the convention center. So they had moved it to New Orleans, which in my mind was actually a very desirable city to go to. I love the city of New Orleans and have really enjoyed it. Did some work there back in the day. I lived there for a while. So I became quite involved with the culture of the city. So I thought this would be great. But you never know when you change a meeting site and people's venue expectations change. So that was a little bit of the unpredicted outcome of this. But as it turns out, uh, that was absolutely not an issue whatsoever. And uh, the attendance, as I said, was really just remarkable. The room was packed and uh, the energy levels were excellent. And it really led and lent to a very, very nice program long-term. So uh, the other thing that was interesting to me was the distribution of people within the program. So about 50% were clinicians, which I think is pretty consistent with uh, other programs, talking to Emmett and Danielle. But I was also quite pleasantly surprised by the number of startup or emerging companies that came companies that are still in phase two finishing out or early phase three clinical trials. And I was 
very pleased with the quality of the presentations from that group because that's really sort of the seed for next year's meeting and the year mm -hmm. after you know they the you could see the doctors taking notes i saw countless number of people taking their cell phone and taking photos of the screen <laughs> because it was it's a it was a brand new piece of information you know people like the folks from oyster, oyster oyster point and some of the other new technologies that were out there adaptix is just very very innovative and i thought that uh, the audience responded quite well to that so and i should let people know that it's fine to take photos but you can also go to oas.net you can download all those presentations i'm looking right now they're all available so yes they are so are there other opportunities for uh, optometrists to see companies at this stage, this really early stage? Within the context of how this program is developed and presented, the answer is no at this point. Is it possible for sort of pieces of this to be made available at meetings? Yes, in the context that a speaker, somebody like one of the many talented people who presented at uh, this program or were on the panels, may actually highlight an item or two within the context of a glaucoma lecture or a dry eye lecture or a cornea uh, presentation, presentation on advances in corneal you know, disease diagnostic systems or whatever the title, that is available. But my context against that being one of the people who presents it is, I'm a clinician, I look at it one way. What's so remarkable to me, and I think everybody there, because it was really a first a first blush exposure for them, was how intimately the presentation is presented, is created and then delivered by people who are actually at the core of this. So, you know, when somebody was presenting where they were talking about their phase two clinical data, and this is where our pipeline for financing is going to be, and this is our deadline, and these are our dates, and this is our PDUFA, and this is our, you know, th these are the filings that we've had. I could tell that everybody was just at the edge of their seat going, oh, wow, this is literally the latest news in this space that I could possibly get. And the speaker is just not going to have access to that information line unless they're you know heavily connected so uh and also just the groupings of this you know when you have six of the top eight or nine new ocular surface disease products diagnostic therapeutic etc all back to back you really saturate that knowledge space to the clinician attending or the others attending and they can they can walk back and and see where the horizons are in a much different way than when you get a piece over here and a piece over there terrific Let's just walk through the uh, the day a little bit. The uh, it opened up with the innovation showcase. These were just sort of these were not grouped by by disease or by technology, but just sort of a, folks opening up. Uh, we have a few familiar names, so podcast listeners. Idapic, Jay Cormier was there. Uh, any takeaways from some of these presentations? Oculinexus or Maculogics? Uh, some familiar names again to people who have listened to the podcast. Exactly, and I think um, that was a great starting direction for the program it, it, it the impetus to to the audience was you know we are literally going to take you to the future of eye care and i thought that was particularly well done as far as you know the right people at the right time you know jay gave a very compelling presentation uh, maculogics was uh, fascinating um i i, I thought that those elements were particularly good. You know, the Zeiss people gave a great presentation. And I thought it was very interesting. The presentation wasn't about their product so much, but their their view of the world of what AI 
which is basically, you know, OCTs and imaging is going mm -hmm. to be able to do for the patients that we care for across the globe. And the numbers that uh, Angelo put forth were staggering in the need. And I think they defined how technology is going to interface to us going forward in ways that we probably couldn't have even conceived of, you know, because this, this is this now can literally be a global network of providers in the next 10 to 20 years as the technologies continue to rapidly evolve. So I thought the, I thought that the Innovation Summit was a particularly interesting starting point. Uh, and then we moved over to uh, ocular surface disease, which was uh, just excellent. So a uh, couple of great new products there, which OIS listeners would probably also recognize. Uh, I think the, the piece there that was compelling was the quality of the presentations was so well done relative to data presented, where we are in the clinical chronology, you know, where we expect to be, what the product lines are going to represent going forward, how we intend to fund this. I, I, that was really uh, well done. And also, I think, gave people a view into how ocular surface disease is going to be managed in the future, which is probably considerably different than the more traditional methodologies of today. And not to, to single out a, a one company, because there were several great ones presenting, including J&J, Site Sciences, Novalik, and Kayla Pharmaceuticals. But one of those companies, Oyster Point Pharma, just announced it uh, closed on a $93 million round. Congratulations to them. What does that say to you as to the opportunities in, in dry eye? I mean, that's a, just an enormous amount of money to, to a very important disease, but one that, again, if we've talked about in the past, hasn't really received much attention until the last couple of years. Ocular surface has become almost the ubiquitous conversation at every meeting, whether it's created by us because of the drugs we use in, in, in disease states like glaucoma or whether it's evolved from you know, environmental, uh, nutritional, uh, exogenous factors. It, it's, 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 it is the discussion point and it hits every, it hits every phase of eye care. It hits everybody who's fitting progressive spectacle lenses, bifocal contacts, premium IOLs. They all suffer the indignity of a bad ocular surface. So we're all looking to find ways to improve it. And I think, um, the general tone, as I said, that I took from that is, we are going to start moving in some directions that people didn't think possible. Uh, the one that I thought was very compelling is the uh, nasal stimulus drug that produces increased tearing, not dissimilar to the true tear product from Allergan, but this is a pharmaceutical agent that is uh, capable of creating significant improvements in ocular surface function. And, you know, 10 years ago, I would have never thought of using a drug in your nose up the nasal cavity to stimulate tear production in patients with dry eye, but the presentation was so well done and so concise and compelling that I anticipate that this is going to be part and parcel of our everyday uh, therapy very soon. You know, as soon as, as soon as they make FDA approval, I could see this being adapted very quickly because it's a way to bypass a lot of the problems that we currently live in because we actually treat the underlying disease state as opposed to palliatively managing the surface. So uh, that, that part of the program I thought was very, very uh, interesting. And I think most of the optometry attendees, the physician attendees there, 
uh, were literally on the edge of their seats. That's when I saw people taking pictures. It's like, I've never heard of this. I've never heard of that. That's what you want in a program like this. So and I thought that worked out really well. Hey, everyone, Tom here. We're going to take a quick break from this conversation just to uh, share a few details, a few deadlines about the upcoming OIS at ASCRS, which again is happening on May 2nd in San Diego. As I mentioned at the top, uh, the application period for companies presenting is open and it's open until March 14th. So uh, if you intend to apply to present at OIS at ASCRS, please do so before then. You can also uh, register for your breakfast breakout sessions, and they are filling up. So you need to register first at OIS.net. You can sign up for the breakout sessions. They'll be focused on dry eye, presbyopia and refractive, glaucoma, MIGS, and imaging and diagnostic. That's five breakfast breakfast breakout sessions for you to sign up for. Finally, there's a couple of ways to, uh, to save on registration. If you're interested in attending many programs, you can take advantage of the double or triple play packages. Otherwise, you can still save by registering before March 14th. So lots of news. If you're interested in attending OIS at ASCRS, we would love to see you there on May 2nd in San Diego. Now let's get back into this conversation with Jim Timmons. Yes, that, that's Oyster Point. That's a fascinating story and a, and a, great, and a great tale of innovation. And, and they share a lineage with, with Oculive. So it was kind of a fascinating pivot. To, uh, to, to move into a nasal spray. So can't wait to see that develop, especially now that they have $93 million in the bank. I thought they have a funding round that can support their next level. I anticipate that uh, their stock literally and figuratively will rise over the next year or two. So. Absolutely. And then you uh, followed up, you led the Glaucoma Innovation Spotlight, uh, had four companies present there, Mahdi, Allergan, Vivid, and Bausch and & Lomb. And then you led a uh, panel discussion. Any uh, takeaways from that? Yes. I, I think that that discussion was interesting. Well, let, let's start off with the presenters. They, they deserve the, the first round of uh, discussion. Uh, they were all excellent. Um, Allergan clearly has a bank of products that are soon to be ready for prime time, if not already in prime time. Uh, the Bamanoprost XR, uh, Dave. Uh, spoke about, Dave Gibson spoke about that uh, quite nicely, data points where they are in the clinical trials. The the Zen product, which obviously practices like ours and many others throughout the country are using currently, has been a huge adjunct on the MIG space. And then they had the Bermanoprost ring. So even though they've, when they lost the patent to Restasis, I think many people thought that the company would have to, you know, create a new identity. I don't think, I don't think many of us understood how deeply invested they were in the glaucoma space on the sustained release product side or the MIG side. And uh, they've, they, they rose rapidly into what I think is going to be a, a, a leadership position within the glaucoma world, not on the drug side, but on the device side. Uh, that was actually a very good presentation. And then uh, the other one that I thought was particularly compelling was uh, Maddie Therapeutics with yet another way to deliver sustained release product. I know that uh, Bob Borshovsky has uh, completed the phase twos with the Napafinac study, which was a post-surgical uh, anti-inflammatory uh, depot drug study that they did, which had excellent results. 
And as a result of that, I anticipate that they're going to be moving forward very, very rapidly towards the placement of a punctal plug to deliver initially an anti-inflammatory product, much like Dextenza does, except they're going to use an NSAID. But eventually, their company and uh, Ocular Therapeutics are both headed in the same direction, which is using glaucoma as the long-term vehicle for, for repetitive implantation of sustained release devices in the punctal, uh, punctal space. So very exciting. And I know that everybody in the audience was paying close attention because most clinicians really didn't have a good perspective on who the players were and then additionally on how successful they've been to, to date. So I think it's just a matter of uh, making, you know, making secure the relationship for Maddie with uh, one of the major players. And uh, I don't know if that's completed yet, but it's certainly you know, in discussion. And then obviously uh, <clears throat> Ocular Therapeutics completed and got approval for their product, which was a huge step forward in, in that pipeline. So, and then Vivid was fascinating because it's the most disliked test in the world by both doctor and patient. And as I said, I met the owner afterwards, sorry for laughing, I met the owner afterwards and I said, if you can save me from this indignity for the remainder of my career, I will take you to dinner anywhere you want to go. It's just doing visual fields is, I think everybody will tell you, it's, it's a painful necessity in life and in, in the life of an eye care practitioner. And if they're able to create a modality that's more comfortable and still produces the same type of reliable and interpretable results that we need, I believe they they win the crown. And it also uses, you know, um, artificial reality effectively to create the space. So it's a very cool, slick, easy device, it's simple in place. Uh, they had some clips of first time users doing very, very well on visual fields in short periods of time. So I'm excited that they will reach that endpoint. And uh, one of my previous opportunities in optometry, SUNY College of Optometry, give them a a, uh, a nod up. They are one of the clinical research sites for this, so I'm very excited for them. And uh, hopefully Vivid will uh, end up in a very positive place. And then, uh, and obviously we got to hear from Cal Roberts, who is, you know, I think one of the, the true leaders in ophthalmology over the years. And he gave a very, very interesting presentation on how their drug specifically, but how new drugs in the glaucoma space are going to be competing with technologies that are notably different than what we've had in the past. And, you know, that type of innovation will hopefully continue. But uh, even if it doesn't continue, just the ability to have their drug and what's going to be a uh, competitive drug from Aerie in the form of Roclitan, uh, both available at the same time, will, will notably <coughs> shift the arc of glaucoma management, I think, in the next several years. So uh, all, all the presentations were good. And then the attendees were uh, all very good friends, and we had a we had a good time, sort of roasting each other <laughs> on opinions. That was <laughs> the audience audience really enjoyed that. You know, they, it's nice when you jibe a little bit back and forth because we don't always agree on everything, but it's a very collegial exchange. And I thought that actually went exceptionally well, and uh, the audience had an insight into how not everything is agreed on in the new technology world. And I think that's important to understand too. I mean, I love talking about new technology, but you know, it's important to understand that not everybody agrees that that technology is going to be as big a hit as 
this technology or maybe even this current standing intervention. So it's always nice to get the sort of the balance of opinions at the same time. And I thought that panel did a really nice job. Excellent. And then uh, we followed up with imaging and diagnostics. You mentioned Zeiss a little earlier. Uh, you had Heidelberg and Topcon and Oculus presenting as well. Uh, any takeaways from those companies? Tom, the piece that was most compelling and additionally most interesting from my perspective, and I, I, I believe the audience members as well, was the translation of what we all look at as a machine, I think most of us do, into a discussion. And they all did, they all had the discussion. They were all very similarly poised, whether it was swept source or whether it was, you know, integrative analysis, but it was all about artificial intelligence and the ability for machines to begin to assist us in amplifying our day-to-day -day availability and in improving our day-to-day -day activities as part of this larger picture of growing healthcare through robotics and through AI. And I firmly am of the opinion that very few people in the audience had any perspective on that until the companies made that presentation without talking to each other almost universally, but through their portals, right? Uh, that was very impressive, and I walked away and said, I need to know a lot more about this. I need to know what's going on with automated systems in reading diabetic retina, which we know was approved and is working over at Moorfields right now through their connection there. Uh, there's a number of other companies that are doing similar things, and I'm actually meeting with one in a couple of weeks here in Connecticut as an initial uh, discussion. So very exciting space. And looking at the machines, not as simply a tool over here to do an OCT, but looking at them as surrogates to our efforts to improve the care of the patient through this broader, large data mining that Swept Source can provide is going to be going to be a fascinating. Plus, 5G technology is going to allow us to transport images almost instantly anywhere for analysis through reading centers and other modalities that will amplify clinicians' ability to impact the quality of care for patients. So very exciting. And uh, we wrapped up, as we do, with uh, the panel from some of the uh, leaders in the ophthalmology space, or excuse me, the optometry space. Uh, and we had uh, Robert Dempsey. Bob Dempsey was up there from Takeda, which was nice to see. Uh, nice to see them still part of the OIS and remaining an important part of the family. Any takeaways from that panel? We had uh, Joe Sabaridu from J&J, &J, Dave Gibson from Arlegan. Uh, Angela Rago from Zeiss and Cal Roberts made another appearance from BNL. Look, every one of them is, uh, as I'm sure they are to you, good friends, longstanding, you know, colleagues, people who have been contributing to our industry for decades at minimum and uh, sometime longer. So I, I felt that their overview of where we need to go and how we can get there was the most compelling part of the presentations globally. There wasn't one that popped out and said, wow, that's a really different viewpoint of the industry, mm -hmm. but more the summation of, you know, the stresses of the healthcare system and the increasing cost and how industry can work together with clinicians to continue to elevate the quality of care that you provide by providing better, better products in the form of pharmaceuticals, diagnostic systems, and then managing or developing ways to assure that patients have access to that information and that technology as well. 
so I thought that was a very pleasant and reasonably optimistic view of the future. I don't think anybody was negative. As I said, Angelo's comments sort of became, became global, which were very interesting. Uh, you know, you don't look at the globe when you come into an office in Connecticut or New York or Alabama or Wyoming, but his view is very much a worldview. And the billions and billions of individuals who do have, have no access to care. And how do we reach them? And I thought that was a very interesting challenge to all of us to you know, create that connectivity and to accept the fact that our role may shift away from the individuality of what we do to a more global model uh, in parts of the world where access is was limited, but now technology will allow us to uh, provide a better level of opportunity for patients throughout the world. So I thought that was very compelling. It was very uplifting. And I thought it was a, just a perfect finish to the, to the day. Absolutely. That's a important message to end on. And uh, I should have noted that that panel was led by OIS founding co-chair Emmett Cunningham. Yes, it was. Blackstone <laughs> Life Sciences. Yeah, it was. So he was up there batting, uh, batting cleanup. And uh, so, well, Thank you for the for the recap. Thank you for your hard work. You and Paul Carpecki and Emmett all worked uh, very hard on this program, and it's it's great that it uh, was so successful. Well, it was a delight to uh, be a part of this, and uh, I'm looking forward to future opportunities. Uh, Craig and I have touched base a little bit since uh, we got back, and you know, we're going to start planning next year, I think, fairly soon. So, uh, all right, Tom, uh, all the best as always, and uh, hopefully. Uh, you're going to dodge the next snowstorm. It's going to hit one of us, Jim. You or us. Someone's going to get it. <laughs> Have a great day. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Well, that is a wrap. Thanks so much for joining us on this OIS podcast. If you would do us a few favors, please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell your colleagues and friends about the podcast. Just uh, email it to them, text it to them, share it on social media. Let them know what you are listening to. Why not share Finally, uh, let us know how we're doing. You can email me. My email is tom at healthag.com. That's the word health, followed by the letters E-G-Y. Healthag is the producer of this podcast, of the OIS events, and of many, many other great podcasts and conferences. So please do, uh, do check us out. Finally, don't forget, OIS at ASCRS is happening again on May 2nd in San Diego. Go to ois.net if you'd like to present or if you'd like to attend. We would love to see you in San Diego.